today's podcast is with author Iris Chen. Iris grew up in a very authoritarian household and as a child didn't feel like she really had a voice. As a parent, Iris wanted to do things differently and has dedicated herself to learning peaceful parenting. What I love about Iris is her honesty. It's been a massive journey to unlearn and she offers so much love and inspiration to all parents trying to do things differently. Welcome, Iris, to the Lunch Lady podcast. It is such a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yes. Um, so we have a we have a little bit of a history together where um, we discovered your book, Untigering, and we loved it so much. And then we did an article in one of our print magazines. And when I was thinking about who we could chat to on the podcast, I'm like, we have to get back to Iris and see how her journey's going and, um, yeah, get some advice basically <laughs> on how to gentle parent. So what I might do is start with, I always like to start with your history. So a little bit about your childhood and obviously that's influenced where you are today. So if we can start there, that would be, that would be lovely. Yeah. So um, I was born in the States to children of immigrants from Vietnam and Hong Kong. And so, yeah, grew up in what I would call tiger parenting culture. Um, so tiger parenting is very familiar to those who have grown up as Asian Americans or, you know, part of the Asian diaspora. Um, but it's like the type of parenting that is very authoritarian, lots of rules, um, very top down with the goal of raising high achieving, successful, excellent, obedient children. Um, so yeah, that's the type of parenting that I grew up with. It didn't seem abnormal at the time because my community, my community, everybody was being parented in that way. And so when I started having kids of my own and realized that there were parts of that that I wanted to let go of, you know, I wanted, I grew up in the States, so I also watched all those sitcoms about what family life should be like. And so it's like, okay, I want to say I love you to my children. I want to, you know, have conversations with them about their feelings and all of that. But there was still absolutely the expectation that they would obey me. You know, it was still a very authoritarian mindset that I had towards my children. And, you know, that worked for a little bit. And then it sort of all imploded <laughs> because I think as like, as my children got older, as they learned to say no, as they learned to communicate their own feelings about things, I realized that I could no longer control them. <laughs> that I thought that I could control them. I thought that I could lay down the law, tell them what was expected, and they would just say, yes, ma'am. But no, they did not. Maybe also because I feel like as soon as we use the phrase untigering, people are like, oh, that's not me. That's not my culture. But I love how you kind of equate it to there are definite similarities to Western parenting. So maybe we could talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways it it is mainstream parenting where it's just the expectation that we have to get our children to behave, that we are the ones in control, that we are there to get them to do what we want them to do, <laughs> pretty much. And a lot of the parenting strategies out there are trying to help us to manage our children 
instead of actually have a relationship with them. Um, so yeah, whether or not you you connect to that term tiger parenting, or maybe you feel like, oh, I'm not that extreme, you know, like I'm not like those people. <laughs> well, I, I found that like, it's not really about that. It's about us unlearning a lot of, you know, the assumptions that we make about children, about ourselves and our role as parents and really learning to share our power with them. So no matter whether or not you consider yourself a tiger parent, there is an imbalance, there's a natural imbalance of power in our relationships, you know, because as adults, we naturally have more power than, than children. And how are we going to use that power? You know, are we going to use it to coerce, to punish, to control, to, you know, enforce our values or our ideas on to them or are we going to learn how to share that so that we can treat our children like whole human beings and this is where i think it gets it can get confusing because most of us grew up in that sort of paradigm where our parents were power over and and uh, i have a lot of compassion for my parents you know they were probably quite stressed at the time and you know just everyone was trying to get by and i feel there are similarities now to the space, like the time we are in in our world where we're extremely stressed, the world is very stressful, we're sort of trying to unlearn and manage our anxiety and then not yell at our children. And I find that very difficult. So I suppose maybe we could talk about when when did you realise or what were the shifts you saw when you changed your style of parenting? Yeah, there were so many shifts. I think a huge shift was just a shift in my relationship with myself as I was, you know, recognizing the ways that I was treating my children that were so harmful, realizing that a lot of that was rooted in my own woundedness, in the ways that I talked to myself, in the high expectations and shame that I had for myself. And so that was a huge shift, just learning how to be more compassionate with myself, to like make room for all my emotions, to understand the needs underneath my behavior, all of those things that I'm trying to practice with my children, realizing I needed to like reparent myself as well. So that was a huge shift. And I, I think another thing was just really seeing the the needs underneath my children's behavior i think like i said i mentioned before it's just i approached my children from a very surface um, perspective where i was just judging them by their behavior so if they had a, a meltdown if they weren't listening if they didn't stop when i told them to stop if they you know hit their their sibling or whatever it was just like that's bad i need to stop it um, there's something wrong with you, I need to punish, all of those things. But once I began to see that I needed to dig a little bit deeper, that there were needs underneath that behavior and not just to make a blanket judgment or a label yeah. about those behaviors, but to dig a little bit deeper deeper and see what was going on. And that just like in, just empowered me to have so much more compassion for my children instead of this judgment and anger that I felt towards them. And how did you, what were your steps to taking? I mean, to I agree with you that that shift to becoming compassionate towards yourself is like the greatest gift you can give to everybody. And um, 
in my life, I suppose I practice a lot of loving kindness to myself and things like that, that um, I'm really interested in and, and went on that journey quite late in life, realizing that we carry so much shame and from the small amount, you know, I did of aware parenting and things like that, like we often have the stick where we're hitting ourselves. Um, where do you, why do you think we have that? And, and especially I, I feel, I mean, I'm, I'm probably generalizing, but I definitely feel g- women carry that more, that shame. Where do you think this comes from? And what are the, the practical steps you took to try and release that shame? Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many layers to that. I think there's like, you know, the the earliest relationships that we've had, where we learn to internalize those messages that we got, where like, okay, if we cried, how did our caregivers respond to that? Or was that validated? Or were we punished for it? Were we shamed for it? And then we learn over time, like, oh, it's not safe for me to express that. I need to suppress it in order to not get punished, in order to be accepted as part of this group or a part of this family. So I think there's definitely those messages that receive, but like, the greater society that we live in too, you know, like even if our parents were super loving and supportive, there's all these messages that we are receiving from society. You know, you said like as women, just the messages that we receive about, you know, like we're labeled weak or over-emotional or dramatic or neurotic or whatever for expressing certain emotions or showing up in certain ways. And so even as a society, we're conditioned to believe certain things about ourselves and to internalize those shame, that shame. So it's like very multi-layered. And, and you were just talking about the anxiety that we're feeling as, as a world, as a global community right now, all the things that are going on. I think all of those things sort of like heighten the stress that we feel in our bodies, you know, like our nervous systems are very like haywire right now. And so like what what you said about just being compassionate with ourselves, like when we're feeling all of these things, how can we notice them and just be really compassionate to ourselves when we when we realize like I'm feeling really anxious right now, I'm feeling ashamed, I'm feeling all of these things. So yeah, just to be aware, to name it, to to make room for it and let it like flow through us and work through us. Yeah, and I I think that you know I started doing this practice a while ago, which which seems so silly. Where you look in the mirror and you you know you tell yourself that you've got this and you're going to be okay, and like this kind of loving compassion, you can say some phrases or, and at first it seems so you know we used to get so I suppose um, teased if you loved yourself or you know if you showed yourself any kind of self-compassion so there's there's that shame you're carrying with telling yourself that you love yourself but then once you break through that it's very empowering to actually speak to your inner child or do you do any of those practices yes definitely that's I think that's all like all part of the reparenting practice because like that script that we have those voices those are sort of like you know, have made those pathways in our brain and our psyche. And it takes practice to create new pathways, to create new mantras and new voices that can change the way we think about ourselves. So, you know, those affirmations that we speak over ourselves every day, I think is important, you know, because it's not, usually it's not 
a huge like aha moment where you flip a switch and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I love myself. You know, it takes so much practice because of all the conditioning that we've had over the years. And so um, like, yeah, as we are doing this reparenting process for us to be really compassionate and patient with ourselves when we struggle, you know, it is a practice. And so for me, definitely having mantras that I speak over myself and remind myself when I'm feeling certain things. So I didn't grow up feeling like I was allowed to show a lot of emotion. And so when I do feel emotions, that makes me really uncomfortable or I feel like I need to shut it down. I feel like I need to ignore it. Um, And so in those moments, I remind myself like feelings are meant to be felt. All these feelings are okay. There is no good or bad feeling. Like I'm really trying to resist judgment about it, even though like my natural instinct is for me to judge it, to say like, why are you such a mess? Why are you so sensitive? You know, Um, but to, yeah, notice that I have those voices and then respond to them with this loving kindness and that voice where it's like really compassionate. So it's interesting the sensitive thing I was also told I was too sensitive a lot of my life and maybe as a to try and protect me or something I don't know but it definitely backfired and I I have you know beautiful three beautiful children uh and one who's quite sensitive and I find it quite triggering actually her sensitivity and I think um it's interesting isn't it that that's the part you need to sort of um, work on the most, I suppose, because it does remind me of being told in in our family, we're not allowed to say you're too sensitive because it affected me so greatly, but it's, it's still triggering. And I, I, you know, is there anything about your kids that triggers you more than other things? Yes, definitely. Um, I do also have a child who is highly sensitive and, I feel like it is difficult for me because I'm probably highly sensitive too. And I feel like there is a lot of anxiety and a lot of judgment about some of those behaviors because probably it triggers in me this feeling of, you know, lack of belonging or judgment or lack of safety. And so I think Dr. Becky Kennedy has said something like, the things that we are most triggered by are maybe things that we need to expand and explore more in ourselves. I'm like paraphrasing, but just realizing that if there is something about our children that, you know, make us really feel uncomfortable, that that may be pointing to something within us that we need to learn to accept and make room for. So Yeah. yeah, I think sometimes when he behaves in certain ways or is a little bit more anxious. I feel uncomfortable because even though I'm the same way, I have a really hard time in, you know, social situations or doing new things. I get anxious easily, but I was just told to like push through or, you know, just like don't make it a big deal or you need to do this anyway. (laughs) And all of those things, those those messages that I received. And so it's hard to honor um, his personality and his unique gifts and not push him too hard, but learn how to support him in a way that he feels really seen and loved. 
I think that's really interesting because that's where I get confused where although, you know, being told you're too sensitive but then also being pushed a little bit, there's this fine balance in it actually creates this resilient being often. And so that's where I get a bit, you know, sometimes I'm reading things and it's like, oh, she didn't want to go and do that. You know, the child didn't want to do that. We should say that's okay. But then when is it okay to be like, no, we're going to, we're going to try this, you know, without being a bully or without, you know, I get, I get so confused. I'm like, oh, was that too much? Was that enough? Like, (laughs) yeah. And that's why it's just like, it's a relationship that we need to build with our child and to know you know, the push and pull of it, you know, where it's not just like, do whatever you want, you know, (laughs) because we we do want to help support them and we want them to live their best life and we want to encourage them and for for them to, to grow as well. But we really need to just be sensitive to how our child is responding to it and be in partnership with them so that they don't feel like bullied into something but then they also know that we're there to help encourage them and support them when they themselves are maybe lacking the courage to do something. Yeah. What about slipping back into old ways of parenting or the old kind of paradigm, the reward and bribe, which if I'm honest, has probably happened a lot these school holidays. We have our six-week school holidays. You know, there's a lot on. It's quite stressful to manage work and And I, you know, I sit in these spaces and kind of laugh at myself because I know they're hopeless. And I know, I know, I'm fully aware of saying, especially to my youngest, you know, I, well, you can't do that. If you, if you're not going to do as I say, you can't do that. And I'm, I know it's a ridiculous long term. There is no benefit from this, but I feel so powerless often that I'm like, I've got nothing here. I've got nothing in the tank, you know, so I suppose I've got no creativity in the way I'm parenting either. So, you know, at times. So I suppose just in those moments, which have been quite frequent, and I probably speak for a lot of parents in this time, this Christmas period and, you know, the stress of giving and then thinking, oh, have I given too much? And just all that stuff, you know, like in those times when you're not responding in an emotionally mature way, what what are the tips you would give? Yeah, I think it really goes back to self-compassion, you know, um, in those moments for us to like say, what, what am I needing right now? Or why did I respond in that way? What was I needing? Like, maybe I just yeah. needed a break. Maybe I was overwhelmed. Maybe I was overstimulated, all of those things. And so I think when we offer a lot of compassion to ourselves, then we don't have to get stuck in certain patterns. We're, we're free to like, okay, that happened yesterday. I am free to choose something different tomorrow. And so where we don't get stuck in these cycles of shame, where it's just like, well, screw it. I'm a horrible parent anyway. So I'm just going to lean into this um, where, where it's just like, okay, that, that didn't turn out so well, I can go and repair, I can, you know, just help regulate myself and show compassion to myself and then go back to my child and repair and say like, I'm sorry, you know, I said that I did that. And that's not what I wanted to do. Can we find more solutions together? So and I I feel like our children are really open to that when we can come to them with 
some humility and some vulnerability and accountability. So like maybe even as parents, we don't always need to know what to do. We don't have to have all the answers. Sometimes we can just say, this is what I see. This is, you know, what I'm hoping for. Can we as a family, like together with our child, think of some things together that might work for all of us? You know, it's just like, okay, I have this work that I need to get done. How can we keep ourselves busy while I get this thing done, you know, and they might come up with really creative solutions that we would have never thought of. So inviting them into the process of, you know, co-creating this family life. That's beautiful. I love that. Um, As your kids get older, I suppose I'm, my eldest is now 11, 12 this year, and there's a fear and an excitement about like them aging. I, I actually love seeing them in their new stages and I I think I feel ready for teenage, but I know it will be quite triggering because I was a very naughty teenager, very bored, felt very unseen at times, as many teenagers do. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath. But what has challenged you as your kids have aged? Has it been different challenges and, and how have you coped or how have you adjusted? My children are about to turn 13 and 15 and it's like, wow, how did I get here? (laughs) Um, It's yeah, but I have honestly really enjoyed this stage. I know that, you know, like toddlers get a bad rap and teenagers get a bad rap because, you know, it's the stereotype that their emotions are out of control and all of that stuff. You know, I think there, there are definitely biological changes that are happening with them that have that we have to be sensitive to. So, you know, hormones and brain development and all of that, that um, may lead to certain types of behaviors or reactions that were like, whoa, where did that come from? But for the most part, what I've seen is like, because we've laid this foundation of connection and trust and respect, that that has really um, just made the transition a lot easier where I have already just checked myself in what I feel like my responsibility is. So because I I haven't been in that role of power over and control, I think that's part of the the tension and the shift when parents start parenting teenagers. It's like when they're younger, you feel like you can already control them. And then when they become teenagers, you realize, oh, I really cannot control you. Like you're going to do your own thing. And that makes for a really uncomfortable shift for parents sometimes but if you've already started with like you are your own person I'm going to learn how to share power with you to be in respectful relationship with you to communicate and problem solve together um, then then the transition is a lot easier because you've already been doing that from when they were younger and you're learning like you already see them as whole people worthy of respect who have their own ideas their own goals and needs and and all of that and so you are again you know standing in the position of loving and supporting them instead of trying to control them you know I suppose if you're if parents are sitting here listening think feeling bad and I just want to talk about that importance of it's never too late to repair. It's one thing that was taught to me that I feel uh, allows you to be kinder to yourself. You know, can you talk a little bit about that and and maybe, yeah, some sort of practical tips on repairing, like how do you approach and, and things like that? Yeah, 
It is absolutely never too late. I mean, something that I like to think about even for myself is if I, if my parent, you know, I'm like, you know, a 40 something year old woman. And if my parent approached me now and just admitted to doing some things that maybe they shouldn't have done in my childhood and expressed a desire to repair, like how open would I be to that? That would be so healing and powerful and transformational in our relationship. And so it's just like, no matter how old our children are, it's, it's never, never, never too late. And um, I think you know, we can't give into the fear of like, oh, their their neurobiology is set by a certain age or whatever. It's just like we're we're very neuroplastic and we're always open to change and growth and all of that. And so really for us to like as we do the work of reparenting ourselves, again, that resistance of shame, you know, it's like, oh, I did this when they were younger. It was so horrible. I, you know, for, for me, myself, like I, I spanked my kids. I punished them. I sent them to their rooms. I did some, I can remember scenes in my head that are very horrifying to me now. Um, but instead of fixating on that and sort of like being um, just caught up in shame about that, I can like, again, offer myself a lot of compassion and, and just remind myself that I didn't know what else to do, you know, that I was overwhelmed and that I'm still loved, I'm still worthy. And from that place of self-compassion and radical self-love, then I can come to my child and say, yeah, I did this and I'm so sorry. You know, I don't even have to like justify it. I don't have to explain that I was overwhelmed and that's all I knew how to do. When I approach my child, I can just say like, you know, I did this um, and I'm I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to. I know that that hurt you. I want to make it right. And how can I make it right with you? So I think, you know, it just is just that that humility, that desire to be accountable. For me, when I apologize, I don't say things like I will try not to do that ever again because I don't feel like that's honest. <laughs> I mean, like sometimes I'm so out of control that I, okay, I'm probably going to yell again. Like I'm probably going to maybe try to bribe you again. I don't know, but I can just say, I'm, I'm trying, I'm working on this. You can hold me accountable. When you notice that my voice is rising or when I try to punish and then you can call me out on it. You can say like, I thought you said you weren't going to do that anymore, mommy, or, you know, so inviting our children to hold us accountable. And of course, that's not comfortable. Of course, it's like, you know, we can be very offended by that. But like when we invite that into our lives with humility, because we're just practicing this, right? We're just, we're trying to make these shifts. And so we can maybe treat ourselves with more I don't know. I don't know if playfulness is the right word, but just like, you know, we're just experimenting. We're playing. We don't have to get it right. It's not about perfection, right? It's this practice where we're just working on it every single day. And if we fall, it's okay. We get up and we try again. Yeah, I love that. Tell me about your relationship with your parents. Has that matured or have you come to a place of acceptance? Like how, because carrying around any kind of 
sort of unresolved hurt can also keep triggering things, you know. How is that relationship? Yeah, yeah. I I think it's like, you know, my I I did a lot of personal work um in in terms of, you know, my own inner child healing. And then I feel like my parents, my my father actually passed away um two or three years ago. But there's been a lot of you know, change along the way for them as well. You know, they're not the same people that they were when we were young and they had just just immigrated here and we're trying to figure out life here. And they've eased up a lot and have softened a lot. And so they were doing their own untigering as well. And so I feel a lot of compassion, a lot of understanding and um, peace with my relationship with them. And I also have boundaries and I also recognize that in some ways they won't change or they can't change or, you know, choose not to change. Um, In some ways I will never receive from them the things that I really needed. So I can't wait for them to reparent me. If that makes sense, yeah. it's like yeah. um, I had to let go of my expectations for them to be a certain type of parent, to be, you know, meet my needs in a certain way um, so that I could really be in relationship with who they are now, like just accept them for who they are now. So I think because, you know, I'm a grown person, <laughs> um, I no longer need them to like take care of me in that way. Um I can release them of the expectation of being that parent for me. Um, Of course, there's still going to be that wound, those wounds, but there's also been a lot of healing and recognizing, like, as I reparent myself, recognizing that they're on their own journey as well. And I can release them of, of that need to be that perfect parent for me. Mm, that's that's so beautiful what what about I mean I'm really interested in the idea of play and you know taking time out for yourself to kind of be a better parent like is there anything you do what what do you do that aligns with helping you be a more gentle parent that gives you that space Hmm. I love this question because I think sometimes when we talk about parenting we're just like okay how can I what can I do with my child to make this like, you know, an easier relationship, but so much of it is, again, our relationship with ourselves, or just who we are as a person. And when we feel more grounded, more joyful in ourselves, then we can bring more of that into our relationships, right? So it's so important for us to create more space for us to feel joy. Because like parenting requires so much from us, we feel like it's this big old drain like it sucks everything out of us and that's like of course we don't want our relationships to feel that way we hopefully can create more joy and more you know dynamism in it so that it does feel like a joyful relationship but um yeah that question about what I do it's it's just been like really healing for me whereas when our whole identity is about parenting our child then it can be really like make us feel really insecure or upset when our children don't turn out the way we want them to or aren't doing what we want them to so finding our full identity as 
complete beings apart from just our role as parents is really important. So I think the work that I do through Untigering is a huge part, like the writing that I do. When I started, I started this Untigering out as a blog in, in 2017. And even as a child, writing had always been a passion of mine, had been a dream. But I had like let it go and I had imposter syndrome. You know, I was like, never going to, who's going to read my writing? Um, and then coming to a point, you know, maybe it was a midlife crisis or something when I was about to turn 40. And I was like, if I don't write, I will feel regret for the rest of my life. But there, it will always be something in the back of my mind where it's like, why didn't I do that? And so I began writing and blogging. And even though it was about parenting, it was still like an expression of myself that yeah. um, felt like mine. And so, yeah, that was something that I um, just leaned into and that was really life-giving to me. Yeah. And so I hope yeah. for, for every person, every parent that they will find that for themselves as well yeah and just lastly what like what would be I mean it's just we can talk for so long it's so helpful and you're so calming to talk to you feel like <laughs> I don't know if my children would agree but <laughs> therapy I'm really enjoying this um what would be your three tips on getting to a place of gentle parenting what are the three most important things to consider um, yeah, I mean, I think just like I said, the, you know, a lot of compassion for ourselves because so much of the way that we parent is really, again, not about our children. It's yeah. really about our own triggers, our own wounds, our own un unmet needs. And so how can we really slow down and take the time to know, know ourselves, you know, um, just really be compassionate and aware of what's going on inside of us. I think that's really key. That has been key for me. And I think another piece is, again, seeing our children through new eyes. So instead of just looking at their behavior, a lot of parenting sometimes we feel like is about, about behavior management. And what if we, instead of just looking at behavior and how to manage behavior, we looked at the needs underneath the behavior. So just what is the unmet need? What is the reason why, why they're behaving this way? It's not because they're bad. It's not because they're trying to be manipulative or any of those negative labels that we place on children. It's, it's maybe they need connection. Maybe they need more sleep. Maybe they, yeah, there, there is an underlying need there. So how can we be more curious about it and more empathetic, taking the time to slow down instead of just react? And then I think like that other thing that we talked about, the, the repair piece is just to, again, be very gracious with ourselves as we mess up and we do the things that we don't want to do, just like our children do, and come back to repair and and start again and it's it's fine it's all it's all a process and a practice and there's there's no there's no shame in making mistakes and having a hard time sometimes oh iris that's so beautiful and i think so helpful for everyone listening i really appreciate your time and obviously you've still got your book out untigering is there any other books in the works or is that a 
Is that a secret? <laughs> <laughs> no, no secret. I mean, I've been saying for a while that I wanted to write a book about um, unschooling. So I'm working on that. I'm plugging away on writing a book about unschooling. Amazing. I love Untigering. It's a very helpful life manual, I think. Um, and it's very, it's a very compassionate text. So I appreciate you writing it. And I'm, I'm very grateful. And thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you, Louise. If you liked this conversation, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really liked it, be a legend and leave us a good review. Lunch Lady is a parenting platform where no conversation is off limits. It's for curious parents and carers keen on parenting with a side of optimism, hope and fun. For more excellent reads and good conversations, head to www.hellolunchlady.com.au.